Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Welcome back. Last week, the EU's interior ministers reached a compromise on the reform of the Migration and Asylum Pact. Then on Wednesday morning, Europe woke to news of another horrific and surely preventable migrant catastrophe. A boat that's believed to have sailed from Libya capsized and sank off the Greek coast in the early hours of Wednesday the 14th of June in what is likely to feature among Europe's deadliest peacetime shipping disasters. Nobody knows quite how many people were on board when the boat went down, but some estimates are as high as 750. Most of the passengers are thought to be of Egyptian, Syrian or Pakistani origin. European Commission spokesperson Anita Hipper shares the institution's condolences. The Commission is deeply saddened by this tragic incident. Every life lost at sea is a tragedy and our thoughts go to the family of the migrants who lost their lives. The search and rescue operation is, of course, ongoing. So far, though, 104 survivors have been brought to safety in the Greek port of Kalamata, and 78 are confirmed dead. And according to Greece's Sky Radio, the authorities have identified six human traffickers among the survivors. On Sunday, just a few days before this disaster, Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen met with President Syed in Tunisia, accompanied by Giorgia Meloni and Mark Rutter, the Italian and Dutch Prime Ministers. The four leaders were discussing economic aid and cooperation. Among the key strategic areas identified for a Brussels-Tunis partnership were economic development, investment and trade, energy and, of course, migration. President von der Leyen's remarks on this subject, given at the Tunisian press conference, seem eerily prophetic. We both have a vast interest in breaking the cynical business model of smugglers and traffickers. It is horrible to see how they deliberately risk human lives for profit. So we will work together on an anti-smuggling operational partnership and we will support Tunisia with border management. This year the European Union will provide 100 million euros to Tunisia for border management, but also for search and rescue and anti-smuggling and return. The objective is to have a holistic approach to migration policy rooted in the respect for human rights. Italian Premier Giorgia Maloney added that this visit to Tunisia was just the first in a series of steps that will, it's hoped, bring about further progress on this issue. Radio 24 reports. This is an important first step towards the creation of a real partnership with the European Union that can address both the migration crisis and the issue of development on both sides of the Mediterranean in an integrated way. We have an important window of opportunity between now and the end of the month when the European Council will take place, and we all want to work hard to get to that date with an already signed memorandum between the EU and Tunisia. Then Italy will be ready to organize the International Conference on Migration and Development, as we discussed with President Syed, which is a further step along this path. As previously mentioned, an agreement was reached at the Justice and Home Affairs Council in Luxembourg on the 8th of June on two key components of the EU's forthcoming Asylum and Migration Pact. 
The first is the Asylum and Migration Management Regulation, which establishes the specific member state responsible for examining an asylum application. And the second is the Asylum Procedure Regulation, which lays down a common EU-wide procedure that member states must follow for asylum seekers. According to the Council deal, frontline states will be required to screen asylum applicants at the border, which could involve a short period in detention. The aim is to determine if the individual in question should be given access to a lighter-touch asylum process or be subject to a stricter procedure. The connection between rejected asylum applicants and the countries to which they are to be returned was the subject of much debate, and the concept of a safe third country also proved a bone of contention, with Rome and Berlin locking horns over this issue. Swedish Migration Minister Maria Malmer Stenegard explains the compromise that was eventually reached on this, as Luxembourg's 100.7 reports. It is for member states to apply the concept of safe third country and determine whether there is a connection between the applicant and the third country on the basis of which it would be reasonable for him or her to go to that country. So there is still a connection criteria, but it is up for the member state to assess. Daniel Estras, Greece's acting minister of migration and asylum, who was party to the discussion, expresses satisfaction with the agreement in a conversation with our colleagues at Sky. I believe that in principle we should not view immigration as a problem. Migration is a reality for a range of reasons. From there onwards, this reality needs to be managed. That is the point. How do we better manage these movements of people who are coming for whatever reason? This is how we should see it, and certainly not leave this process in the hands of traffickers. We have to take action, and we came to a very good agreement, finally, in Luxembourg, where I happen to be in the Council of Ministers. I think it was a great success, because this is something that has been dragging on since 2016. In Germany, while Federal Interior Minister Nancy Faeser has called the agreement historic, the country's Green Party is less convinced. One of the first reactions came from Omid Nuripur, federal chair of the German Greens, reports AMS. This Ergebnis hat Licht und Schatten. This result has its upsides and its downsides. It is mixed. There are things that bring progress. For example, there is a very clear agreement that unaccompanied minors will not be included in the so-called border procedures. There is access to legal advice and some other points. At the same time, we failed to achieve key objectives that, for instance, families with children are fundamentally excluded from the border procedure. The question of distribution, a key issue for the states that are taking in the most, has not been made binding, even though there is progress being made there. So this is why this is a consideration in the overall assessment, and I understand everyone who thinks that all of this just isn't enough. Meanwhile, Luxembourg's Green MP Stephanie Ampin backs her government's decision to endorse the agreement, even though she acknowledges that it's far from perfect. This is the situation here in Europe. This is the result of right-wing voices and populism leading the same discourse for years and now enjoying a great victory. I am sure that our government would have preferred something different and that it stood up for something else. In fact, the Greens EFA group in the European Parliament has been much blunter, denouncing the deal as inhuman 
for its likely creation of quasi-camps at the EU's external borders. The agreement also stipulates that a minimum of 30,000 successful migrants and asylum seekers are to be relocated within the bloc each year, according to the principle of compulsory solidarity, with each member state allocated its fair share. A member state will have to pay €20,000 per migrant it refuses to accept, money that will be used to fund projects in third countries. Poland, for one, is very unhappy about this proposition. Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki goes so far as to announce the creation of a coalition of EU countries that are against the forced relocation of migrants. His comments are shared by Polski Radio. I intend to protest against this very strongly at the European Council, as I did five years ago, very strongly indeed. And not only to protest. We are building a coalition of states. We will certainly not agree to a diktat reminiscent of the one that Civic Platform, together with Germany, brought to Europe between 2016 and 2018. And we defended Europe against this, together with the Czech Republic and Hungary in June 2018. Moreover, says government spokesperson Piotr Müller, Poland will not be paying any fines. We will not agree to the forcible reception of migrants on the grounds that this will intensify migratory movements in Europe. We believe that the kinds of decisions that the European Union is forcing through at the moment will result in these gangsters, these human traffickers who are committing such crimes at the moment, transporting people illegally into the European Union from Africa, from Arab countries, being encouraged to continue doing so in the future. If we have penalties imposed, we will fight them through all possible EU procedures. During the press conference after the Council meeting, the EU Commissioner for Home Affairs, Ilva Johansson, was asked how it could be ensured that Poland and Hungary would pay their solidarity contribution. Her reaction is shared by AMS. And this is not unique for this policy area. It's actually quite often that when we come to a conclusion on a new legislation, some member states are very much against. That is not unique. But when the new legislation comes into force, of course, it is uh, applicable to all member states. And at the end of the day, is the commission that is the guardian of the treaty to make sure that legislation is implemented and complied with. It probably comes as no real surprise that Poland and Hungary voted against the agreement. In addition, Bulgaria, Lithuania, Slovakia and Malta abstained. In an interview with Zinu Radias... Lithuania's Deputy Interior Minister, Arnoldas Abramavicius, claims that Lithuania took the decision to abstain to draw attention to the issue of so-called migrant instrumentalization. In other words, the use of migratory flows as a political weapon. It is crucial to alleviate the pressure on these countries suffering under the strain of instrumentalization. Let's put it this way. If our country, for example, received 4,000 migrants in 2021, it is clear that instead of being donors that year, we should be recipients. From our perspective, it is essential to make the problem of instrumentalization a shared one by reducing the burden. This would not only be a rational approach to take, but also an objective one. Kalin Stoyanov, Minister of Internal Affairs in the newly formed Bulgarian government, gives a slightly different reason for Bulgaria's abstention. 
He tells BNR that while the EU has allocated an additional 45 million euros to Bulgaria to put towards the technical support of its border, the purchase of off-road vehicles and higher salaries for its border officers, the onus is still on Bulgaria and the other frontline states to tackle the problem. To be engaged independently in defending our state border, which is also a European border. We cannot be left alone to solve this problem. It is for this reason that we will abstain. We are looking for a more comprehensive approach to solving the problem. We are looking for a more serious and guaranteed support on the part of all member states. Yet objections and abstentions aside, most of the bloc's interior ministers approved the final text. The door is therefore now open for negotiations with the European Parliament. Yet, with the ball now in the Parliament's court, there are rough seas ahead, as the Council deal differs significantly from the mandate agreed by the Parliament back in April. Thanks for listening. Do come back next week for more news and insight from Euronet+. Plus.